From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 173, and today I am joined by Nambi Sneakers and Matt Barham, who, if you know anything about the comedy scene, particularly in Canada, you know them as Barham and Sneakers. They are one of the funniest couples I know. They're amazing improvisers, there's great performers. They do a little bit of everything. Naomi is also uh, the founder of the Firecracker Department, which is an amazing podcast, but also incentive about empowering female creators. So check that out. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down through the pleasures of isolation. Uh, I'm Jeremy, and I have seen this movie, but like a really long time ago. Okay. Okay, and I have not seen this movie. I know nothing about it. I We were talking about what movie we wanted to watch, and Matt pitched a bunch of movies that sounded a bit heavy to me. And then <laughs> Gary Campbell pitched this on Facebook, and I'm like, I'll always trust Gary Campbell. Amazing. Yeah, I was wondering how you guys came across this one, because it's something that I picked up randomly during a Criterion flash sale, um, because I'd heard of it in passing. It was on someone's like top 10 list at one point. Right. Uh, but when you picked it, I was kind of shocked, because as far as I know, it's a pretty... Apparently, it's one of Scotland's most famous films. That's what I've heard. Uh, which I don't think speaks very highly for Scottish cinema, given that I barely had heard of it. Right. No, I haven't heard nothing. I heard that it was Scottish. I like Scottish cinema. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, um, on my radar either, to be honest. <laughs> um, I think what, what happened was uh, uh, Naomi put some feelers out there to see what was going on and what the universe was going to tell her. <laughs> and Gary Campbell posted something that cheered him up, and maybe that's something that's exactly she needed right. at the time. I like and that. That may have been attractive. And, and who knows? We'll see if it cheers us up. What yeah. were some of the ones that were too down for you, Naomi, that Matt pitched? Matt had a great list that we put on the list. Like, we'll keep as a sidebar. Like what, Maddie? Oh, um, I was, I guess I was pitching dramas. I was, because I, I wanted to see Ordinary People. Ah. Oh. Um, and, and, and I, you know, I just, I was, I, I, the, I, I liked the, the story of that. And um just the little I know about it, Mary Tyler Moore, and uh, I think uh, Donald Sutherland is in it. Yep. Um, yeah, well, when you guys are ready to watch Ordinary People, let's do this again, because that's one I haven't done, and that's a great black hole. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was uh, those are the, that's the kind of world I was going in, direction I was going in. However, when I heard about this, um, I got really excited, I, and I, it, like I said, I'd never heard of it. Yeah. 
Also, we were going down the world of like, let's watch something that Fred Willard has been in because mm. he just passed away and we're such huge fans of his. But there was... He, he's such a supporting... Like, he, he had such a yeah. great supporting career. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't really find the one we hadn't seen. So no, we did everything. Yeah, I went through everything. And, and the only ones that I hadn't were like these really... These movies that I'm like, I can't imagine that's any way close to being a movie I'd want to watch. I know. Because yeah. he just, I mean, he was also one of those guys that I'm sure that if you needed him for an afternoon to do a cameo, he'd be yeah. the first to jump there and do it, which, which you know, by nature just means you end up doing a lot of stuff that's okay. I'm sure he was great in all of them. I mean, he shines in everything he does, right? Yeah. Like every single film, he, like he's like He stole, he's like a scene stealer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, he comes in and just dominates. Uh yeah. But Gary Campbell said something like, this is on my smile list or something. I'm like, I like a list of smiles. I like Gary Campbell. Let's okay, yeah, you know, that's more accurate. He said it was the things that made him smile. That's it, yeah. Right. Uh-oh, good. what happens if We'll see if we can hold it, you know, hold him to that. Yeah. So let's see. So let's, let's, uh, let's watch it and see if it makes us smile. All right, you I love it. it. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so we just finished, and? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was so charming. It's a charming movie. That's the best way to describe it. Yes, and it's a very, it's a good movie right now because it's, no one gets hurt. It's really <laughs> safe. It's quite sweet. There's some fun jokes in there. Oh, yeah, great jokes. Great running, running uh, bits. Uh, with the cycle, like the motorcyclist and the, the physical stuff was great. The director like threw in a lot of unwritten stuff, or maybe it was written into the script. I don't know, but yeah, it got physical, which was great. Yeah, I love I love the beat. The first time I watched it, the beat with the rabbit, I was not expecting. Yeah, yeah, there were a couple of little times <laughs> dark. I was like, didn't see that coming. But um, then, but it was also the. But do you want us to throw it out? Well, it was quite nice until I knew it was. <laughs> like, and then he's, then he's like, was it was, well, how did you prepare it? He sort of, he wants the to know sauce. how it went. He wants to know how it went. Yeah, the wine sauce is nice. Yeah, like, did you at least throw in a nice wine sauce? I mean, <laughs> also, like, I was watching it and where my attention started to waver, I was like, oh, I'm such a, I, I'm so in need of stimulus now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, it, and it's from like, what year is that movie from? 80, I want to say it's 85. It's, yeah. it's mid-80s yeah. for sure. I'm like, uh, I don't pace now. I'm like, I'm going to need more pace than this. It's a tough film. Like, right now, you would easily cut at least a half hour out of this thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because I think all the characters are super charming and, and really, yeah. you know, it is incredibly, everyone, even that, that, that woman that drops off the, uh, that what's it? I can't remember what, what country he was from. The foreign guy in the boat. She just, yeah, she's just swearing at him the whole time. And who knows what that's about? Yeah. But it just it tells you everything you need to know about his character. That it's like he just pissed off this one person that gave him a ride from somewhere. Yeah, and she's like ferocious. She's like, I, the, I have a feeling motorbike. like uh, the director found this Russian stunt performer who somebody needed to, to drive this motorboat, and like. She she wanted to have the Russian and she was she was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's in the movie for like ten seconds. Yeah, and, and it, it never pays off for the guy's character. Like yeah. he's not a dirtbag at all. He's most he's the sweetest guy. 
Yeah. So it's a weird, but just little, everything like that, just every little person you come across has a very distinct character. Yeah. It kind of, mm-hmm. when we were watching it, we were sort of, it sort of reminded me of movies like, um, like Jacques Betty movies. I don't know if you're mm. familiar with any of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where it's all like bits. So it's like the motorcycle bit and then the rabbit bit. Like they're just little jokes without a huge like motor for the story. No, I mean, the most reoccurring thread is the sky. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, and, and the way Happer, he keeps on calling uh, Burt Lancaster's character. And he wants to see he's obsessed with the sky. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and Mor- Morris, what is it? Morris, the guy that... The guy he hires to berate, berate him. him? Danny. Yeah, I think his last name is Morris. Yeah. His first name is Danny. Right. Yeah. The guy from the company that comes along with him, right? The guy that spends... I love that beat, well, no, too. When, no, no. I'm talking about uh, the Burt Lancaster B story. The, uh, back at the, the corner. Oh, the yes. The guy he hires to just, like, yell at him and call him uh, names. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that beat, too, at the beginning when he's like, do you want me to call you, like, at, late, like, at, a, at an inconvenient time for you? Which, <laughs> yeah. No extra charge. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I really do think... I remember when Matt's father passed away and we were so in need of something that was just easy watching. And, and this is easy watching. Like if you're in like a place because of the world situation, this is like a very easy watching kind of movie. Oh, we right. watched um, The Last Tango in, in Halifax. Halifax. Yeah. Just this BBC show. Yeah. Very similar. And I've only seen a couple episodes. Uh, Zoe Palmer raves about that show. And so I watched it uh, because of her. It's adorable. Yeah, yeah, very similar. Yeah. Yeah, very... Uh, my wife would like a movie like this, where it's just like, the stakes are pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just about finding the letter. Strangely, like, nothing... Uh, I was just sort of... When the conflict happened, I was shocked that it happened an hour and a half into the movie. Uh, and, like, when they suddenly they meet this guy, Ben, on the beach, who won't sell his land, and then now we have a conflict. Right. But before that, the protagonist loved everything and loved everyone and didn't seem to have any obstacles. The town itself was actually really eager to sell. Yeah. Yeah, his whole thing was, oh, this is going to be great. Everything's going to be easy. Yeah. And everyone's being nice to me. And he didn't really come from a, like a business place where he was like one of those strung out business people. Like his change wasn't drastic. It, he went. The only biggest change was the fact that he went from wearing a tie to a cable sweater, sweater. Yeah, and not shaving regularly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I will say that is one thing that I'm like. I mean, we've seen this trope now in like other movies since then. I don't know if this is the movie that like invented that story, but the idea of like, you know, the the fast paced American coming in like to a lot of times they do it like there was that Russell Crowe movie with, with a vineyard. Um, yeah. And Sean Sisterna just did a movie that was very similar to with uh, uh, the Grape to the Vine, I think it's called. Uh, oh, it's, okay, the Netflix one. Yeah, so it's very, very similar to just that kind of story where it's just like the businessman comes and learns how to appreciate life and slow down. Like a Hallmark movie. Well, yeah, but maybe this movie was... <laughs> but sharper. Yeah, Wait a originated. Second. Maybe this was a pioneering... Wait, movie. did we not like this movie? Oh. I liked it. I think it's just the kind of movie that w- would be hard for a modern audience to appreciate. Yeah. I'm going to recommend it to my pops and he'll love it. Yeah. He'll kill himself laughing. Yeah. It was an enjoyable watch. I, I, and I can see why Gary 
feels it brings a smile to his face because it is a pleasant movie. Yeah. Um, and not, not to spoil it for everyone. Well, maybe I should. You can spoil. This is the kind of thing we talk and talk about all the things. Okay, fast forward like three minutes if you don't want the spoiler. What are you oh, going to say, Well, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Burt Lancaster suddenly coming and fixing everything. For the town and for, well, like real Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly he what I said. said. The exact same thing. And yeah. I thought, well, that 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 gave him fifteen minutes to like solve everything. Yeah. And and it kind of I don't know why Peter Rygert's character was was upset about that because it seemed like he'd be happy for the people of the town to keep the nostalgia and keep it all alive. So I didn't understand why. He well, I think it's because he had to be. He had to, he was being asked to leave right away. He wanted to stay. Yeah. Okay. And he has that moment where he gets drunk in the bar and he basically wants to trade his life with Gordon. As well. And he's like, and your wife too. And then at the end, he's like, do you want to go say goodbye to Stella? He's like, nah, it's okay. <laughs> like, so, I love what? when he goes to the minister and says, I'm here on a mission. Yeah. And the minister says, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah, a laughs. Yeah, there's a lot of little, like, very dry, very subtle moments like oh, that. Uh, should we talk about Marina, the lady scientist, quote unquote? Yeah, what up? <laughs> I mean, I like her character a lot, but I, it's just the way she's introduced. Like, it's awkward? Well, the guy literally ogles her. Yeah, when the camera pans down to her behind as she walks away. And then the next scene when they're driving down the road, what's the, I wrote it down. Yeah, what are you thinking like, about? Naked girls in a fish tank. <laughs> But I read in the, so one of my favorite things to do, uh, Matt and I, when we finish watching movies, go to the, the trivia stuff in IMDb. And I read that that scene when they were like, they couldn't get through the scene because they were giggling so much about how awkward it was. And I'm like, yeah, because it was super inappropriate. Which that scene he's talking about, the one the, the When she takes lab? off her lab coat and oh, dives yeah. in the water and they're like, yo, 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 yo. That's yeah. the sound of the eyeballs popping out of their head. Yo, 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 yo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. It's just. I mean, it's. Th- what forty years ago? No, thirty. Exactly. It's the eighties. Uh, forty. Or, uh, well, yeah, almost forty. Jesus. Uh, yeah. I mean, not that, that not that that's allowed to forgive it, but I'll tell you this: on this podcast from eighties movies, there's been worse. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> oh yeah. No. So so much, and actually, it was tastefully done for the eighties. Yeah, I like, I like that little footnote on it. Yeah, for the 80s. <laughs> Not too misogynistic for the 80s. For the 80s, yeah. Because when Naomi picked it and I saw a trailer for it, uh, and knowing that my my wife is like a feminist and somebody who like drives this firecracker department, and, and I'm thinking, how, what is she going to think about this very male-centric concept of like an oil refinery coming into a town? and right. And like like the strongest female character has such little screen time. Oh yeah, I mean that that's just part of the era that that was in too. Like if I watched it now, and it was just I mean, there, truthfully, there are movies that are coming out now that are equally unbalanced. But I'm more shocked now than I was then. And looking back, I'm like, well, that was just '80s. Yeah, no, just nobody gave a shit, and everyone was okay with that. I was shocked that the priest was uh, diverse. Yeah. Yeah. My missionary work, right? Right. Uh, you know, it's interesting uh, that definitely is a, is a trope now of a movie like this is there is no love interest for uh, the dude. 
protagonist. Yeah, it but Matt felt said, like, yeah. Yeah, it felt like, so the B story had the love story. Yeah. Uh, his partner fell in love with the mermaid, but then he falls in love with the sky and the town and the people. I, that's what I liked about it. He fell in love with the guy. He wanted his life. He wanted to become that. Right. Well, and even like, I mean, it has this real bittersweet ending where he, you know, empties all of his pockets and it's like all the memoirs, it's shells and rocks from the beach. And then he calls the payphone and there's no one to pick up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe he'd right. pull it, he'd go into his pocket and pull out a handful of sand. Oh, yeah. That's my, that's a, you know, don't you watch movies and go, okay, when I would do the remake, this is what I would do. I would cast Matt Barham oh. as the Morris character. Oh, God. Uh, I got like a bit part in the movie just now. But you would shine. All right, that's good. Um, okay, I cast you. Oh, I'll take that part. It's the funniest role. Oh, when he's spelling out. Um, Your Papa is a mother F on the outside of the building. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's brilliant too because it doesn't like bother the censors because they don't spell yeah. the whole word, but anyone watching knows exactly what he's writing. I know it's so great. It's really good. Uh, yeah, and it had a Blake Edwards y kind of vibe to it. Like it had um, like almost like the Cato relationship with Peter Sellers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like the motorbike thing, runner, yeah. and not being able to cross the road. I wonder how much he borrowed from Blake Edwards. Yeah, uh, yeah, because it's it's funny because it, it has this very specific, unique tone to itself, where it has these surreal moments like that, where you're like, "Is that guy real?" Like the Burt Lancaster character just coming in and solving all the problems, and like, "Oh yeah, we don't need to build the oil refinery here. We'll do it somewhere else." Now that he's come there and seen it, like he wasn't the kind of guy that need to be turned around either yeah no so there, again like peter reigert's character mac mcintyre he, he doesn't get any opposition on either end like he has no conflict and that's why it's so strange when it's over you kind of go well i guess he has this, an inner conflict right and, and yeah he doesn't it's no longer like when we first meet him he's driving with uh danny in the car from you know that the the their factory to the small town and they're stuck. I love they have to spend the night in the road because of the fog. They can't drive through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then he mentions like, he goes out of his way to mention how his Porsche, then he owns a Porsche and how great it is. And three times. Yeah. Yeah. By the time you get back there, it's just like, clearly that's, you know, him making up for the fact that that's all he has is the Porsche. Right. 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 You know, and he made this $80,000 a year, but it's like, what does it matter? Yeah, yeah. it was a lot of, like, problems easily solved, and his feathers were not ruffled. No. And yet, because, because Rygert's so dry, too, that you couldn't chart his change because he, he just, as an actor, too, and I know it's also in the script, but he didn't have, he didn't show any change. Until he got than, drunk. Other than his stubble, like, he was able to yeah. stubble. Yeah, I know, it's interesting. Like, I like him as an actor, but it's like, the, you would never cast him in... You know, the modern equivalent of that character actor would never be cast in a movie like this now. No. Did, who did you say they, they wanted? Oh, they wanted... Um, Wasn't it? No, no. Who, who, uh, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas wanted to play the role, but I think the director didn't want a known actor. Yeah, they didn't want the star hassle to come with the shooting. Because I bet, like... I mean, if you look at the IMDb, there's, like, six actors that are still actors. So every, everybody else were locals. Oh, amazing. 
So all the credits, I think there were six people that are still like in the business and either they got flown in or whatever, but the rest are just locals. Oh, that's interesting. I get, I mean, that in the, you know, that's in the 80s. That's at a time where you can get away with that kind of thing. Where now right. you'd be like, if Michael Douglas wanted to do it, Michael Douglas is in that part. Yeah, I don't know if he wanted to do it or they they were considering him or, but oh, then right. they went. Interesting. You know, it'd be a whole different movie. I think my favorite character uh, is Gordon, the the hotel owner slash lawyer. I love that moment too, where it's just like he's feeding them and it's like, oh, the, he'll be there in like 15 minutes. I, yeah. I, per, I personally know that. And you can believe that it's just, oh, it's a small town, so you know everyone's schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see oh, that you, coming. Oh, you didn't see it coming? No, I sure didn't. Uh, uh, yeah, because you, when he said you could count on it, that he'll be there in 15 minutes. I know for a fact he'll be uh, yeah, there. Yeah, I know for a yeah. fact. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, it's great. It's awesome, too. It's, you save money on the actor. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's that. But it's also, like, I grew up, you know, the small town I grew up wasn't quite like that, but we grew up near this town called Port Dover, I don't know if you're familiar with that on, on Lake Erie. Yeah. And, um, and, and kind of the joke is there is everyone has two different jobs. So the person who like runs the, like the small putting green is also the hairdresser. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, and, and it's like jobs that don't go together. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I remember I, I, when I first moved to Toronto, I was uh, asked to do concession for the poor Alex theater for the improv. Uh, they were doing a, uh, theater sports there and uh, I you know I called all around to get a popcorn machine because I wanted the lobby to have one and then I finally found one and, and the guy was in the phone book and I called him and he said uh he he answers with like this thick accent he says I said where are you from he says I'm from Macedonia he says welcome to Greg's um optical and popcorn machine <laughs> and I said wait, wait a minute what's the story there and he says well I come from Macedonia I know two things, how to make the glasses, and I have all these popcorn machines. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I like, this is that. perfect. Couldn't afford his popcorn machines. Though. No, but you got a nice pair of glasses. Yeah, bifocals. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I do. I mean, I love that kind of small town quality of the whole thing. It does, ha- it sort of had, um, had flavors. I'm not, I don't know. I don't talk like that. But the, uh, the notes, grand, notes. notes, it had grand seduction that they did with Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the which is based on the which is I haven't seen the French the original French version. Ah, okay. le grand le seduction grand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love that, that it's locals too. I wonder because it's the, the Bill Forsyth, the director or writer. He's Scottish, obviously. This is his third film, I think. So you wonder how many of those people he knew and wrote for them, or right. if they just went to this town and found people. Yeah, let's get Billy on his motorcycle. And uh, let's get, um, my one of my favorite little clips was that when she's adjusting that old man's tie in the dance. And you just like, that was just obviously like the camera guy going, hey, there's something kind of magical <laughs> happening over there. Let's grab that for some color. Well, I wonder how much of it was kind of documentary feeling that we're just like, let's just set the camera up and see stuff happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, they had some great character oh actors in that, and and I don't recognize anyone, but uh, that very authentic look and feel of it. I felt like maybe and that the guy on the beach seemed a bit clean cut for a guy who lives yeah in a doorless boat. I'm gonna shock you, that guy Nicholas Cage with so much prosthetics. He was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. That was the early Nicholas Clay. It was right before Fast Times. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but he was in that. No, no. Was Nicholas Cage in Fast Times? Um, actually, I don't think he was. No, he wasn't. I'm getting that confused. Exactly with else. What am I saying exactly to? Moving on. Sean Penn? Sean Penn for sure. Uh, I was, it's pretty impressive looking at, I, I, I watched it going, is that sky the real sky? Like, oh yeah. Because it's 1985, they don't have like the effects yeah. that we have now. Like, now you would just paint the sky and do that with it optically. Oh, you're saying like, did they capture a real aurora borealis? Well, because part of me goes, I don't know if a lens could do that, but just the way everything else in such silhouette is like, maybe they did. I, I want to look that up. My, my nerdy filmmaker in me wants to go, did they actually capture it? Because if that's an effect, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Mr. Lavandi. Um, as a fil- is that right? Mm. Uh, le- as a filmmaker, what was your favorite shot? What was the shot that you were like, oh, that's that's a good one that you got? All the beach stuff. I thought the beach stuff was great. Yeah. It's a, and it's it's kind of a cheat too. It's just like point the camera in any direction. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. I mean, it's that's like, also the beauty of shooting in whatever like location they had that that town was in. That it's just like mm-hmm. it's just so authentic that you can just kind of put it anywhere. You, you imagine that the you know, it's the kind of thing you almost watch and it's like, how much production design is there? Or was this all just like, oh my God, this shit's already here. Let's just take advantage of it. Like just. Yeah, I, I would almost add, I want to add to that and ask, did the director writer reverse generate the script from that town? Maybe. Yeah, yeah that's a good. Town and it's beautiful. I'm going to, what happens if an oil refinery was like plopped right here? Yeah, I thought of that. I've, I remember the first time I went to Lunenburg in Nova Scotia, I left there going, I need to write a movie that takes place here. Just because I wanted, it's just such a, I don't know if you've ever been there. Yes. Yeah, I've been there. When we were shooting in Halifax, we do a road trip to Lunenburg. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went there. My wife and I did an East Coast trip um, for our honeymoon. We just did a driving tour because neither of us had been to the East Coast. So we spent two weeks just driving through the entire East Coast and stayed a couple of days there at a and b and just loved it. It was gorgeous. And then when I went, uh, when I was shooting Cavendish in Halifax, I was there for a month and I'm like, I got to go back to Lunenburg one day. And I had a rental car. So I was like, I spent a day, I went back for a day and just walked around by myself and yeah. enjoyed it. And to say, yeah, it's still a gorgeous, beautiful world heritage site. Yeah. I want to say Haven shot there. Oh, maybe. I don't, I think you're thinking Chester. Oh, you're right. It was Chester. Oh, Chester's right nearby. Yeah, and there's Chester's. And just a uh, fun fact, for, well, not fun fact, this is a, very much based in opinion. Like the best clam chowder I'd ever had in my life is in a place called Chester's Bay, which is just outside of Chester. Okay. okay. Good to know. That's and good for Chester's Bay. And it's barely anything. Like literally, like you blink and you miss this place. Right. Yeah. Um, I must, I, you know what, the, there's, at the last time I was around the, the the Atlantic provinces, I think I, I I made the dumb mistake of being that city who went into a, a place like that and asked if their fish was fresh. <laughs> and then you they're on the water. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. And and then I think somebody behind the counter is like, "When Johnny, how? Wh- where? You know, did the like where did this? Um, what is it? When how did, fresh is the fish? Oh yeah, it's like well, it came off the boat today." Uh, just like a half hour ago. <laughs> How fresh do you, I can go back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, get out. just yeah. get out. Take this can of tuna and leave. 
Best my favorite know. thing about the uh, that restaurant was that they for their dessert was a deconstructed blueberry pie, which shocked me for that kind of place. And I asked the waitress very casual, I'm like, did someone just drop the pie and you guys made the best uh-huh. out of it? And she's like, did they tell you? I was like, oh, fuck. Get out of my brain. Get out of my brain. I was like, oh, I don't want it then, but that's, I'm glad that I figured that out. <laughs> Let's just be honest here. Yeah. I can't, after seeing that, I, I kind of want to do a double bill and watch Ordinary People. Maybe not tonight, but I do want to watch it as like, now I'm ready for it. I feel like the... Mm. The stage has been set with this nice calm movie and I'm ready to go a little deeper. And Ordinary People, I will say, uh, without spoiling anything, it's it's not, it's a heavy movie to some extent, but it's not like, I don't think you leave watching that and go like, ugh, okay. just the world sucks. Like it, it's not, um, you know, there's there's some stuff happens in that movie, but it's, it's uplifting by the end of it. And it's, okay. it's just great. It's a, it's family dysfunction. There's shades of it's a wonderful life a little bit. There's uh, like a brotherly conflict and mother and son conflict. There's a lot of family. Is it like the squid and the whale? Remember okay, that? I would compare it to that. Oh, yeah. that was so, yeah, yeah, that was tough. Yeah, more more drama than comedy, I think. But well, um, but Mary Tyler Moore is in it, right? So there's, I know, it's comedy but she, in a very straight role. Very, you know, she's she's incredible. In yeah. It. Yeah, that's when you realize like how people like her had like amazing acting chops. Well, there's just a history of, I mean, you guys know this, I'm sure, of just like, you know, great comedic actors doing tremendous dramatic performances. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's my favorite thing in the world when uh, the, like somebody who's super funny pulls out the, I can also do this card. It's hard to do the other way. I think so too. I think anyone like I've always had that argument with producers or when I'm like casting movies and people are just like, can I've never seen this, uh, this funny actor do serious. I think they can handle the serious parts. It's like, if they can handle the comedy, they can handle the serious parts. They just need to not do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To start. And then, and then go a little further from there. But then the other way is, is the thing that I always worry about is like when we're cat and they're trying to stunt cast a certain part and it's just like, and they recommend like a super serious dramatic actor for this part. It's like, I don't know if I've never seen them do that. I'm not saying they can't, right? but I'd love to talk to them first to see what their sensibility is <laughs> yeah. to see if, cause I think that the tendency is like, they just go so overboard or go too far and start to think they have to start doing things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, gosh, there's been, I'm trying to think of the examples, but um, I mean, it it does work. I mean, we've seen great, like, dramatic actors become very funny. Like, De Niro is very funny. Mm-hmm. In, yeah. Like, a lot of movies. He's, but he's almost like, it almost doesn't work, but it just barely, for like the Fokker movies from him, like, they just, barely, he rides this tightrope with it. Yeah. Or just like, this shouldn't be working right now. I should be groaning at some of the stuff you're doing, but God damn, you're so charming. Yeah, and exactly. yeah, you, you put him, you you put him a, like opposite Ben Stiller, and then suddenly it, it's it comes to life. Yeah, too. or Charles Grodin in the uh, Midnight Run. Yeah. Oh my God, great example. Yeah, so good. Yeah, he's so great. Yeah, I just I just watched um, the Heartbreak Kid for the first time. Oh, okay, I haven't watched. Uh, we that. need to watch that. Oh, it's uh, Elaine May directed it. 
and uh, it's it's great. It's uh, it was remade by the Farley Brothers sometime in the recent past, but it's uh, it's one of the great like early rom coms that kind of like that doesn't necessarily have a positive ending. It's it's like in that realm of like. Annie Hall and the graduate and movies like that, that are just don't feel like they need to like tie everything up with everyone in love and, and holding hands. Should we try to recast this in a Canadian cast? Um, the like, local hero? Like what the people we, we would, I, that's yeah. a dangerous game, but I'm going to listen to what you feel. Well, it's tough though, because is the question is, is the thing that was like, then in, in that idea is like, is someone coming here from another country? Oh, because you mean rewrite the script? Well, not rewrite I, it, but like, I'm into like that. put a look, yeah, like a location change. So yeah, it wouldn't be obviously, obviously Newfoundland. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go the other way. Let's go to like Galliano Island. Oh, Ga- uh, Galliano. So it's, is that a, is that a liqueur? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Colombia. Okay. Wow. Is that <laughs> where they make the liqueur? Okay. Yeah. So it's a, a like a business. Okay. First of all, it's a lady business person in toronto for sure it's a woman yeah Yeah. so um so yeah somebody's like up to their nose in like high stress business stuff and then they have to go to galleon island which is completely off the grid right completely off the grid um and what do they need they were gonna put what oh they're gonna put a a, because like what would it be offshore wind like what would they do right windmills no because windmills are are positive um, yeah, well, you'd want to do the modern version of, I mean, that's, oil is still pretty much it. It's still oil. It's 5G, right? It's something like that. It's like they're going to put the biggest tower. Oh, satellite tower. Yeah. Okay. But you wouldn't need to acquire an entire an entire town right. for that, I wouldn't well, think, gonna, right? You're going to, like, put all the people that work there, and they're all people from, like, the bad city of Toronto that are coming. They're going to make... A mega condo. Yeah. Out, out of all of Galliano. That's Island. good. A mega condo with like a Walmart and like everything for the folks that live there. I like that. They want to take over this quaint town and turn it into like a quaint tourist trap. A resort. Yes, a resorty place. place. Yeah. That's what it's it like is. like that people will pay top dollar to come in and fish and, and do a nature thing. So. It's <laughs> hard rock goes to Galliano. Whale there's a really funny commentary on that of the idea of like they're gonna come in here and pay top dollar to live your lives, you yeah, poor exactly. people who just want to get out of here and are, yeah. are sick of living here. It's taking like that sandwich board that says like buy fish here and like making it into like a neon sign that's like buy fish here. It still says the same thing, but it's all fancy. It's all fancified. You know, like um, yeah, the the yeah, the 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 idea of people coming in. I guess they, they do that. They, they, the rich folks, they go to places like that for fishing yeah. trips. For, oh, yeah. They, they for golfing expedition. Like they, they fly into those places. Yeah. Yeah. I think we might be just writing a great movie right or now, folks. It created an interesting business venture. Okay. <laughs> I see what you're doing. I maybe, like maybe a bit of both. Okay. <laughs> All right. Disneyland on Galliano, Galliano Land. Right, I'm um, I, I, would, that with you. I would love to um, because you get to write a love letter to a place you really like adore. Yeah. So what would be the place you would want to bring oh. uh, this kind of message to? Yours would be Edmonton. I think, yeah, like parts of Edmonton, like someone thinking they're coming into Edmonton to, you know, to open up a big thing or whatever, but discover that 
the people of Edmonton, Alberta, just happen to be the the truest, loveliest people in the world. Right. And they don't actually want to change it over. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I'm from a small bedroom community, but it doesn't quite fit. Wait, you're from Port Dover or Port Dover adjacent? I'm I'm adjacent. I'm from uh, originally from a small town called Cayuga. Okay. It sort of sounds like, a, like a horn? yeah, it's like the horn. Cayuga. Cayuga. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It, like, Kitchener Waterloo isn't a place I'd want to write a love letter for. It wasn't. And it's too big anyway. They, this is the kind of like this town that they were from only had what, 100, 200 people in it? Right. So it's got to be a real small, like, it had to be the, one of those East Coast towns. Or like Wells, Wells, British Columbia. My friend lives there, and she, it's a population of 250. She said the power went down yesterday. And people, you just heard people like running from door to door going, hey, can you do that? As opposed to emailing and texting people, they were running door to door, which I just love. That's amazing. It might make for like a good like Rick and Morty spec. Okay. Of like a planet that lures Rick and Morty to it to try to sell it off. Because it's oh. sort of like Funny Farm in a way. I like that a lot. Oh, Funny Farm. That's kind of another one of those quaint small towns where they're bullied or, or charmed into accepting it. Mm-hmm. And then they find out it's a money pit or like everyone's terrible. I like it. I want it on my desk by nine o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> All right, we're on it. <laughs> um, any other final thoughts about, about Local Hero? It's a very charming movie. You're not going to get hurt. You can just have a really nice leisurely meal with it. I wonder. Walk away for a little bit, come back. You're still going to enjoy it. Maybe Mark Knopfler's score could be mentioned. I mean, oh yeah, uh, Dire Straits frontman and uh, and also a writer of the Princess Bride soundtrack. Uh, oh. That whole guitar riff, kind of synthesizer '80s score, is under it. Which I always kind of I wonder if you should you could just when you digitally remaster these movies over time, could you also rescore them? Oh, you don't want to do that though. That's like, like changing his, the width of his tie. Like you want to relish that right. era. Right. It's part of the charm and the feel yeah. of it. Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, the, the movie feels very of its time. It feels very lived in. Uh, it's definitely what I would call like a Sunday afternoon movie. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It's raining outside. You just want to feel comforted. <laughs> I want to do this chat again with you, Jeremy, but I want to do it with something that I either hated or fucking loved so much. Because right now this is like middle of the ground. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but I would ver- like, you know, those movies that you come away going, that made me so angry because it's crappy or because I didn't make it and I wish I had. <laughs> I love that. I will find those to do next time. I love it. Well, thanks for making time for this, guys. Thanks Thank you. for it was great. challenging us to watch that movie. Yeah, a movie we probably wouldn't have seen. Yeah. Yeah, that's always nice. And we don't usually spend time together, so this is nice. Oh, my God. Bet. Time, all, all the, the time, time. All the time. Every moment. I spend all the time with both myself, but okay. that's not okay. the same. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because where are your children and your wife? Oh, I, we, we sold them at the very okay. beginning of all oh. this. We saw where this was going, and we're like, let's cut it out. Let's just cut to the chase now. Yeah. yeah. You. Yeah, you, your family are the people of that small Scottish town. Yeah. <laughs> and you are Peter Rygert. Yeah. And you're on your own now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, which, you know, 
I get lonely from time to time, but then I just look at all the other poor bastards that still have their children. And I'm like, no, I made the right choice. Yeah, no, no. I mean, <laughs> for me. recording this, right? You're just doing this for some company. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even have a podcast. Awesome. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Jeremy. Thank we you guys. So much. We're such a fan of you. Oh, I'm a fan of you guys. Let's all go to the... Thanks for joining us for Local Hero. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at LonJeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time... Go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.